This is Marketing Smarts, a podcast committed to helping you become a savvier marketing leader no matter your level. In each episode, we will dive into a relevant topic or challenge that marketing leaders are currently facing. We will also give you practical tools and applications that will help you put what you learn into practice today. And if you missed anything, don't worry. We put worksheets on our website that summarize the key points. Now, let's get to it. Welcome to Marketing Smarts. I am Ann Candido. And I am April Martini. And today we're going to talk about how to up your customer service in order to positively impact your company, your business, or your brand with some easy tips for making progress quickly. And the reason for this topic is that for many years now, we feel like there's been a dip in customer service and in some cases, the complete inability to find good customer service when it comes to some industries. And then, like with so many things COVID-related, this is another area that has been cast to the wayside in an effort to find employees just to work as a general statement overall. Yeah, and unfortunately, this seems to be now an industry agnostic situation, which is when you know things are getting actually really bad. (laughs) And just to make a note here, we are not saying that this is a blanket statement across every single business that exists. We have actually seen some really good bright moments and some people who are actually rising to the occasion. But since this is a trend, we wanted to hit the topic head on and share insight into how to recover when your customer service is not in a good spot or just needs to up its game. Yep, exactly. And with that, we'll get into simple tips for upping your customer service. Number one, identify two to three principles that will differentiate you from your competition. And I'm going to let you take this one. Sure thing. So instead of undertaking a complete customer service overhaul, which could feel very overwhelming and like you don't know where to start, Identify two to three principles that your business will practice. This is like the low-hanging fruit, all right? Because good customer service can be actually a key differentiator. So think about these two, three principles and this low-hanging fruit as being something that's going to set your business apart from others. And what is really, really important here is that it has to be a value to your customer, your consumer, your client, whoever we're talking about here that you're delivering customer service to. And we're going to talk a lot about that today. Yep. So in the setup, we talked a lot about how there's a lack of customer service in many, many businesses today as a workforce continues to suffer. And we're kind of left wondering where the workers went. In an effort to kind of put a Band-Aid on this whole thing, we've just kind of filled our workforces sometimes with just warm bodies. And if we have done this, we're at a point probably that maybe our customer service has suffered a little bit. And so it's time to actually take a little bit of a timeout, all right, and think about where you really need to address where your customer service may be lacking and understand how your workforce is going to be able to accommodate that. So Think about two to three things that are going to matter to your customer specifically. What's going to differentiate you apart? And then what could be easy for your workforce, whatever the current state is in, to be able to adapt and apply and actually action these? Yeah, exactly. And as a side note, we realize that if you're in a super bad spot, this can be really overwhelming, which is why we think this is such a good place to start. Because when you get into a bad position, and and like we just outlined, there are a lot of businesses that are in this situation right now, it can be hard to take a step back and think, okay, how can I logically tackle what is going on versus getting really, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of in a spin or emotional turmoil about it or just kind of throwing up your hands and saying, oh my gosh, I don't even know what I'm going to do with this situation, which actually leads us to our next point, which is number two, a little bit can go a long way. 
So like any situation where you need to pivot and make a change, I just said, it can be really, really overwhelming, especially if you make the list of all the things that aren't quite on par or going the way that they should be. And you look at it and you think, oh my gosh, I still have to do my day job. And then I'm supposed to tackle all of these things Mm -hmm. as well. So Start small. That's why we said in the previous point, identify two to three things, two to three places where you can start. Prioritize what you can do right now, like today, leaving that brainstorm or that kind of reflection with yourself, and then do it. Try it out. So let me give you an example, which this is going to be a little bit of a spoiler alert for my marketing sparts moment at the end of this, but oh well, I'm just going to go there. So this weekend, still very top of mind, we have my sister's wedding, and we stayed at the Renaissance Hotel here in downtown Cincinnati. And in the two days I was there, I did not come across a single employee that did not offer a smile and a comment, Hmm. not a single one. Not even when we were sitting down to dinner and the servers were trying to get out food to 125 guests. Still, in that moment, the server stopped at the table I was sitting at to talk to my kids, to tell me how cute they were. And I felt noticed and the kids felt special. Mm -hmm. That's simple, right? Some other examples. I've had a lot of customer service recently, therefore, this episode. (laughs) Is there a theme there that maybe you need to recognize, April? (laughs) Yeah, seriously. People are being nice because I'm coming across a little crazy. I don't know. (laughs) Um, Is this April in the third person again? I know. Maybe I should. Okay, so April has had a really rough couple of weeks. (laughs) Anyway. All right. So another example. All right. I went to Starbucks. This is going to be very wedding themed, I feel like today. So apologies in advance. But I was picking up, you know, drinks for all of the bridesmaids and I got me a cake pop. And so I get out to the car and I go to hand her the cake pop. And because it had been between two warm drinks, it's completely melted in the bag. Oops. So I was like, well, shoot. So I, you know, pop back in. I mean, this Starbucks in this Rookwood is the location where it is here, is packed to the gills constantly. And the woman saw me come back in and she signaled me over. And I was like, I'm sorry, but my daughter's cake pop is melted. And she goes, oh, no, no, no. I'm no. Okay. So she runs over interrupts what she's doing and she said here I gave you an extra one for the inconvenience so again just something like really small right and I was like well kind of cursing her because I didn't want me to have two cake pops but you know whatever April it was totally fine (laughs) no I'm not really cursing (laughs) Um, and then you know other things are getting a cup of your client's favorite coffee on the way to meet with them or noting someone's birthday with just a message I mean this is little stuff that we're talking about just kind of those personal touches and the things that like I said in the situation with dinner just make you really feel noticed as as a human being and that someone's just taking a second to go out of their way and do something a little bit above and beyond. It doesn't take a lot of time. It does not take a lot. And like I'm telling you right now, I remember, especially right now, where I think we're all still suffering from a lack of humanity and human connection in general. Yeah, and I love your examples because they're very simple. Yep. As, again, when we go back to the two to three principles, I mean, it is something that's very simple that people can do and can do it consistently across the board, and it makes a huge difference, yep. right? So I love the fact that that had such an impact on you because it is what that humanity is going to help progress with regards to the brand, yep. right? Yep. And so- The emotional connection. The emotional yep. connection is, is so critically important. And so when people tell us, like our clients tell us, like, I just 
don't even have time for that. Or yep. my workforce is turning over so quickly that it doesn't even matter. I'm like, these are very easy things to say when you're doing some sort of onboarding and say, oh, and by the way, we always smile. We always cater to our co- our customers or our clients. We do these things in this way. This is what you're empowered to go do. We expect you to go do that. That's just kind of how we work around here. Yep. I said that, what, in like 10 seconds? Yeah. And then you have to have people who are willing to reinforce that. Yes. So- just jot down a couple, make them very simple, make it very easy. That way, even if you have the turnover, you have that expectation that this is just kind of how it's going to flow. And it just helps to create that cohesiveness within your your business so that your brand doesn't break down. Yeah, totally. I think that's so important. And I think it also, one last comment here, it's easy then for the person to digest and go do. Right. Especially when they can see it in action. They're like, oh, so-and-so did it. Now, be careful. Like, you don't want somebody to be giving away cake pops to everybody, right? You know, so you have to be able to make it something that is (laughs) feasible for your business as well. But within the context of Starbucks, that makes total sense. Yes. So pick and choose what's right for your business. But yes, I agree. Exactly. All right, number three, make it a consistent practice across every employee. So Anne set this up nicely mm-hmm. with her, you know, 10-second spiel about what the expectations were. But I want to go back to my example from the previous one where I said, this thing happened across every single employee that I interacted with at the hotel. Mm-hmm. And I was there for 48 hours. So I encountered a lot of people. I was also there for a wedding. So the amount of employees, that's a lot, right? And so... The example that I was thinking about in order to contextualize this a little bit is this is a very intentional move by this hotel, the Renaissance Hotel, to say, we're not a hotel where our employees kind of fade into the background and are invisible, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? We are a hotel where we want our patrons, our customers to feel appreciated And we want that human interaction to be happening. And that was clearly very intentional because the amount of times, and obviously this is my world, right? So I'm like, oh, I know what they're doing there. Oh, I see what happened there, you know. So the other side, though, is what if this had only happened with one employee? Okay, so when we walked into that hotel, we were greeted by the manager, but then the gentleman that helped us like with check-in and everything immediately started chatting. He comes out from behind the desk. He's like, oh, man, he looks at Sam's glasses. He's like, I had the same glasses when I was little. Oh, my gosh, I feel so nostalgic right now. You know, he goes back behind the counter and I say, you know, what we're there for and very smart, right? Last name Martini. We're the party that's having the wedding this weekend. And he didn't say that, but he was like, oh, Miss Martini, let me get you an upgrade, you know nice suite. We don't have a lot of people staying here this weekend. There's plenty of room. I'd love to do that for you. And then he started talking to us about downtown and we kind of chuckled because mm-hmm. he's like, you got to see Finley Market. You got to do this. And I start laughing. He's like, what? And I was like, well, we lived three blocks from here as of five days ago. So yes, <laughs> fully very aware we're just staying here as part of the wedding party. But in any case, if that's where it ended, right? If that was the only person that treated me like that that weekend, I would have thought that was a him thing. Yeah, right. Not the brand thing, right? Oh, I happened to experience an interaction with a really nice man that happened to work at the Renaissance Hotel. Not what happened after, which was, you know, we walked to the elevator and one of the caterers was taking stuff up and they don't know I'm there for the wedding at that point, right? And it's like, oh, hey, all the kids are cute. You know, just like any kind of little like human comment, stopping what they're doing just to acknowledge you. And I've talked a lot about people interactions, but I think the other piece here is that even if the person's job as an employee is not really to be forward-facing, 
missing, right? If they work Mm -hmm. a bit behind the scenes, they still should have the same mentality. So, for example, there were bar stools brought up to the bridal suite because they knew we were having makeup and hair done in there. Mm -hmm. And so and then we got to our room and there was extra bottles of water because there were there were four of us staying in the room instead of just the typical two. And then there was a sign, um, like a really nice sign saying, welcome to the Migliazzo Martini wedding party. Right. And so it's like it's about that personalized experience or the extra touches, you know, might be another way to say it. And so even the people that are doing like the cleaning of the room and whatever, even if I don't see them, I still feel that same experience through that. Yeah, and I think that's what defines a differentiated experience, right? And that's what they're really trying to hone in on is making sure that they create that differentiated experience. So then when you're telling everybody else, again, Mm -hmm. it's the word of mouth thing, how would your stay there? It's not just like, eh, the rooms were nice and, you know, the bar was good. It's like, oh, you wouldn't believe how you get treated there. Mm -hmm. You know, you walk in and you feel like you're a VIP to some extent, right? And everybody's so polite and everybody's so helpful and they're so accommodating. That's what helps hotels and other businesses alike try to be able to rise to the top Mm -hmm. when people are thinking about what do I need there? Because there's just so many to choose from now. So that is intentional brand building in action Mm -hmm. um, that they are truly living customer service because you made a really good point too about the nuances of like, there's one thing about being polite, Mm -hmm. Right. And in, especially if it's innate to a certain person. And there's one thing about creating an experience which takes multiple people. Yep. Right. Yep. And then the last thing I'll say here is, you know, I'm sure some people are like, well, you just said you're part of the wedding party and there's a lot of money being spent. And, you know, how do you know you're not flagged? Well, Number one, I can say that living three blocks from this hotel, I've had that experience multiple times just popping in for a drink or whatever. But on the other side of that, I think that the evaluation will be the next time I go in there and I don't expect them to remember who I am. Right. But if I had the opposite experience that next time, I'd be saying the opposite. Well, right. I had the same experience, and yeah. I was staying at the hotel. Yeah. I went to, you know, I, the person who checked us in was extremely accommodating, but very much um, like that. Like, oh, what are you here for? You know, what? where'd you come from? Yep. Are, what are the yep. things you're going to go see? What are you going to go do? And then, you know, went to the bar and sat at the bar for a couple hours. And the bartender's like, what do you like to drink? Oh, I think I have some bourbon ice balls in the back. Let me go get those from the mm-hmm. refrigerator. And I'm like, so it was, it was yep. the same exact experience of, like, we were guests that they were trying to create experience for. Not that we they were there to provide a service of, like, you get to sleep in our rooms. Yes, totally, right? totally. Yeah. All right, number four, strive for greatness and know what success looks like, Anne. Yes, and so we said that you shouldn't and you don't have to tackle everything at once because it can be very overwhelming. But you should have goals for what being the very best in customer service looks like. And then put in milestones so you can kind of gauge how your whole business is really moving or progressing towards that big goal. But and most importantly, just to April's point that she was making before, everybody should know what the goals are and what success looks like, right? It's the nuances between being polite and creating an experience. Those are different things. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to differentiate that and you have to be able to show them what great service looks like which means you need to model it, you need to incentivize against it, you need to hold everyone accountable to achieve it. And specifically, keep in mind that this depends on what your consumer, your customer, your client is looking for. Yep. If it's arbitrary in the way that you're setting it up just because it's easy, and but it doesn't have any value to your, your consumer or your customer, then it's irrelevant. Then it's not customer service. It's just something that you're bragging about that nobody cares about. Yep. Right. So I'll, get, I'll give an example here. 
And one that we talk about a lot is in communicating, right? And I'll use <laughs> something that's near and dear to April's heart right oh, now. Geez. She doesn't know I'm going to go here. Great. But it's with contractors. Oh. Okay, yep. So I was in a really good mood before we started this. So. Oh, it, this is a little bit after the fact. So okay. I figured like, I, I won't try to go too far deep into, to, you know, rip off the Band-Aids. But, um, I mean, there's there's two ways of communicating that contractors typically do, right? And April, you're going to appreciate this. And I've gone through this as well. It's like, Hey, I have a problem, and I let you know exactly when I have a problem. Yep. Or I have a problem, and I'll let you know when I have a solution, right? Two different ways of providing customer service in a way that communicates to your client. Now, what you have to understand is what kind of business are you going to be, yep. right? Are you going to be the kind that communicates right away, or are you going to be the, commu- the, the, the brand that communicates when they have a solution? Either one can be <laughs> fine, but you have to set up the expectation that that's what you're going to do. That way you can clearly communicate that to your client, and your client can say, yes, I'm okay with that, or no, I'm not okay with that, right? And I'm sure if anybody from that <laughs> group is listening, they know exactly <laughs> which one April is. All right, so I, I, I say that just because a lot of times we kind of assume what our customer service should look like. Yeah, right? that's really fair. And we don't think about what our clients really want. And sometimes it's different from client to client, but but you should always set up the expectation of this is how we're going to operate. Right? Because that makes it predictable for people, um, both who are actually doing the communicating as well as those who are receiving the communicating. And then you can set the expectation and line around that. And then once you actually get to that point, though, it doesn't actually stop there. So you have to continue to be mindful of the environment around you and what has changed in the world around you. So case in point, when we're talking about COVID, a lot of stores are still out of stock on a lot of stuff. Or there's a lot of big delays on stuff, right? Mm -hmm. It's taking forever to get stuff in. I've seen some businesses do a really good job of providing an elevated level of customer service and really engaging with their customer, keep them in the loop about when things are going to be in, provide them an alternative, um, even send them to a different place that might have it. Like that creates that emotional connection. We talk about this so important to brand. And I've seen people just ignore it saying, well, you know, everybody should understand because it's just the way it is. These are opportunities to really show your differentiated approach to how you care for your customers in order to really solidify the fact that customer service is an important thing for you. Yeah, and I I like that example of the contractors more than I thought I was going to. (laughs) Um, But one of the other points, and I think on top of the point you just made about it's never done, is there's also the flexibility sometimes within what you stand for to be able to do it different ways. So when yes. I was thinking about the point. contractor example, right? Like there that is one of my hot buttons. Do not call me and tell me there's a problem when there's nothing I can do to help fix it, right? Like I'm not a contractor. The basement's flooding. What the heck do you want me to do about it, right? <laughs> I'm the one that wants this the, you know, okay, here's what we what we have happened and then here's what we're going to do about it. But I will also say that I don't like surprises. Yep. So there are some like, you know, nuances in that. And I think that in some instances with just building a house, I kind of lean both ways on that. Where if I showed up and something was supposed to be there and it wasn't there and nobody told me, but they had a solution, I'm still not happy. So, you know, and I mean, okay, I'm me. So, right, I I get that. But like my point more is just like, I think when you put the consumer lens in, which is the point of this and why it's never done, you have to be aware of the, you know, the one on one, the person you're communicating with, and then the flexibility of your brand to still stay on brand and provide good customer service to that individual person. 
Yeah, and then the moral of the story is don't build a house with April. Yeah, that's that's totally true. And yeah. I'm sure that any of my contractors <laughs> no. who will never listen because they never want to hear my voice again would agree. Like, not us. <laughs> um, not but, it. You, your turn. Yeah, exactly. Um, in any case, uh, continuing the hotel reference with this one, I, I thought a lot about how the landscape has changed and Anne made the comment about um, there's so many options now, right? Which is totally true. And I would say we're, you know, we're Marriott loyalists when it comes to hotels. And because Bryce travels so much, he likes the higher end ones that have a higher touch, right? Mm-hmm. JW and Renaissance are two of our top very favorite in any of the autograph collection. But I started to think about the level of service that's provided. And then it kind of led me down the path of like Airbnb and VRBO. And when those popped up, the hotel industry was kind of like, what the heck do we do with this? Yeah, right. right. Like, how are we even supposed to address this? It's cheaper than us. There's more amenities from a, you can cook, you can, you know, you mm-hmm. have this whole giant space, you're living there like the locals, all of that kind of stuff. And so one interesting thing I think is that you do see some of those higher end hotels lowering their prices. Not that they're exactly competitive, but like if they have extra rooms for weekend or whatever, they throw it out there as like a premium night in a, you know, a high-end hotel for this price or whatever, right? So that's... offering VIP packages. VIP packages. And all those yep. sorts of things all tied that, to it, like, like a, a long weekend getaway Exactly. Thing. So trying to we did it all up. for you instead yeah. of you having to do it, right? And then alongside that, I've also seen some stuff around like the care we take of you, right? Mm-hmm. So like we clean your rooms, your meals can be brought to you, we have a spa, like there's hands, it's hands on from the perspective of you don't have to do any of those things yourself and why would you want to do that if you're on a getaway or a vacation or whatever? So I think that there, in any time there's a reorientation of an industry in total, we see this kind of stuff happening. But I do think that it's worth mentioning just like, hotels were put back on their toes, right? Because they had to be because someone else came up as a disruptor in the industry. Mm -hmm. So just to recap, simple tips for upping your customer service. Number one, identify two to three principles that will differentiate you from your competition. Sadly and honestly, many businesses have not been doing customer service very well, which means it's a great way for you to shine. Mm -hmm. Number two, a little bit can go a long way. We are not saying burn everything down and start over. Small moments of delight make a really big difference for people. Number three, make it a consistent practice across every employee. Good customer service means everyone and everything sings from the same songbook. And number four, strive for greatness and know what success looks like. Stay on top of it and always be looking for new ways to be better. Are you craving a deeper dive immersion into the topics on our podcast? Then you will appreciate our virtual consultancy. Located on the shop page of our website, forthright-people.com, you can now download our digital coaching modules on vigilant leadership, culture building, and social strategy. For the cost of a book, you will get diagnostic tools and exercises to assess your current state and development tools to quickly and intentionally improve your proficiency. These are quick yet effective ways to improve your marketing savvy today. Check it out and let us know other topics you would like us to go deep on. And our next segment, as all of you know, is in the trenches, where we give real-world examples specific to industries and situations, but with broad application for anyone to digest and put into action. And yes, the hotel theme will continue. (laughs) Take what you've just experienced, right? All right. Number one, there are so many things associated with customer service that I don't know where to start. Please help me, Anne. Yeah, so this is why we said a little can go a long way. So we really want you to embrace that piece of it. Yeah, we'll give you some criteria to kind of help you break it down and think about it even more. So first, 
identify the things can be done easily and quickly. This is what we talked about. This is, doesn't have to be like a momentous change. Those small things of the light that April just mentioned can make a big difference if everybody consistently delivers those same things. So mm-hmm. modeling it, reinforcing it, and incentivizing it, holding people accountable for it. But making sure, like I said before, too, that these are things that your workforce can accommodate to, right? So you got to really be mindful of the, the workforce you have and what you think that they're capable of and what they'll take responsibility for. Then pick the ones that you believe will have the greatest impact, right? So again, start small, start with a few, don't overwhelm it, but think about things that can make these small changes that can create big impact. And then try a couple out to see how it goes and see if you're right. This is like what we say about testing and learning. This is no different. And if they don't, then adjust them or, you know, it's okay to abandon them and and try some different ones. But always keep a mind for what success looks like, what we said before, so you can evaluate if you think things are moving the needle. Then obviously, it's important to think about what success looks like in terms of your business too. So again, is it driving word of mouth? Is it creating more repeat customers? Is it making people choose you more often? All of those important things that really signify that you're a brand that people believe in. And just be prepared that it's not all going to be perfect. So doing some things, you know, that just like in this test and learn mindset just helps you move faster. So a lot of people just get really afraid that, you know, they're going to put all this effort into something and it's not going to quite work. But that's why we say pick the simple things to start with. Yeah, and I think that's all really good. And hopefully you can see we're trying to simplify here, right? Like simple tips is the title of the episode. But I think that... It is, it can be a challenge, but I just think that customer service has suffered so much that it shouldn't be a differentiator the way that it is, but it's the time to take the opportunity because that is the reality of the situations we're in. And like Ann said in the beginning, that's industry agnostic at this point. Right. So the things might be different from one to another. Yeah. Maybe you can get some ideas from things that you just experienced, like April just talked about, that was good quality experience for her or good quality service for her. Yep, exactly. All right, number two in the trenches. We're starting to automate a lot more things than ever before, which takes away the human interaction. What do you suggest here? So similar to what we have been saying all along with other episodes and cautions against technology is, first of all, make sure you don't automate something that only a human can do well. And we've had Mm -hmm. a previous episode that talked a lot about the nuances here. And one of the examples very specifically is don't automate a telephone menu and then give a complete inability to be able to get a human being on the phone when actually you need to talk to a human being, right? So that's number one. But on the other side, we want to say just because you're taking people away, like actual physical people, it does not mean it can't be good customer service or service oriented to your particular target. So mm-hmm. like Uber, you know, the prompt comes up and it says something and this might not be exactly right. But like, where can I take you today mm-hmm. instead of type your destination? Right. So like that is a personalized brand experience that they're providing. I'm a huge fan of listening to books on Kindle And now that they've gotten to know my preferences, I do kind of the unlimited monthly. And so they pop up with prompts for me about things that I might like to read. And it even goes so far as to give me like based on different categories that I read from. And then anytime an author that I read consistently has a new book, it prompts me for that. So I I mean, that's an app, right? I've never talked to anyone Mm -hmm. associated with Kindle. But I feel like that's a personalized experience. And also, side note, when I first started using an actual Kindle, I found it really overwhelming when you go to search for a book. And so I just don't understand I, how they can't sync the dang apps up either. I, it drives me nuts. I know. 
And so I had a lot of frustration and I didn't go back to it for a long time. I like totally boycotted. But so now for someone like me that like when you say, you know, what's your favorite book? My mind floods with every book I've ever read. I feel the same way when I go on that app. If I was just trying to search, you know, on my own, I would lose interest faster than I could pick a book and, you know, use the app. So in any case, um, and then also uh, my pharmacy just within the past probably two years, started alerting me when my prescription was about to run out from yeah. every doctor. And so that's one thing. They used to just call on the phone and then I'd forget to call them back, you know, whatever. But now they do it with text message and I can just hit, you know, type in refill and then it just goes and it happens. And mm-hmm. I mean, literally within like an hour, I feel like my prescription is filled and I'm ready to go. And so those are, you know, some really simple. We're trying to give lots of examples here that are applicable again to lots of people. Those are a few that I think you can still feel that they're looking out for you even when it's not a person doing so. And so the lens that we say to look for is as a person, if you're going to automate something, what were the perks of having a person as part of that interaction versus the technology now? And where do you make the decision, one, to automate, but then two, how do you bring that humanity into the technological space? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I'm going to give an example in a second, too, because I'm going to go to the world of bots in just a second, which I am... You love. I am having a significant issue with bots lately. Um, But all that being said, and I'll get to there in a second, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I do believe in technology is a customer service mechanism for driving customization, for driving facilitation of any actions. I love the fact that all you need to do is tip and refill on your phone and you don't have to call them and try to get through and... All of that stuff kind of creates a very easy experience mm-hmm. for people in order to choose you. I mean, yes. in that customer service is ideal. So any way that you can make the process easier for people to choose you, to repeat, like going back to you, especially, and this is great for doctor's offices or any like regular service that you're going to do, I'm totally, I'm totally, totally in favor for. What I am struggling with is so, and I'll use this um, example is I went to go schedule my oil change with Mm. uh, King's Kia, right? And you can do it online. And I used to be able to do it on my phone, but for some reason now in the scrolling feature, it's not scrolling to the bottom where you can hit next. Oh, jeez. Right? So So you've been trained to do it and you're happy with it. Now you can't do it. And now you can't do it on your phone. So I'm like, they're not mobile friendly, which is like a big miss. If you guys are not (laughs) really orienting your customer service to be mobile friendly, you're totally missing out. Absolutely. Totally missing out. That's where you do invest in a big way. Yes. And so what I did was I just like, okay, fine. I'll just like chat with somebody, let them do it for me because it says, Oh, 24-7, chat with somebody, right? So I chatted with somebody. It's obviously a bot. Get to the point, and they're like, oh, you know, you really need to call somebody. They're the, <laughs> they're the best people in order to facilitate, you know, you getting your, you know, your oil change. I'm like, seriously, I used to be able to do this just by, like, going onto the site. It takes me two seconds. I pick a time, and then I go. Yep. I'm like, and I even texted back, and I said, if this was as best as you could do, this was not helpful. <laughs> I mean, it was ridiculous. And so then I had to pull up my computer computer because I, I tried to call him this morning. I'm like, well, fine. I'm just going to call him as I'm getting ready. My phone, my, the number was relayed amongst like five different people. It finally went to the service department who never picks up the phone, no, ever. Because they're servicing the cars. Because they're servicing people who are waiting in line to drop off their cars. And so I'm like, fine, I have to pull up my laptop in order to kind of go into it so I can actually get to the next button. And then I was able to do it in like, two minutes but still I'm like I spent 15 minutes trying to schedule a regular oil change for my car yep. I was furious so 
make sure if you are going to use bots, your bots are able to facilitate a process that they can actually complete. I mean, it doesn't help if you're like asking them to do something that you're actually pushing them to go do through the bot and the bot can't do it. Yeah, I think you bring up a really good point because I feel like bots are one of those places where people got overly excited and, and feel like they think, have to have one, right? Yeah. Because it's a bright, yes. shiny new thing. Exactly. And didn't think through, well, the customer experience, but then also the technology on those things, depending on what platform you use and how it's connected and how your website's hosted, all those different things. I don't feel like bots are integrated to the level of sophistication on the technology side either. So you right. have like people getting excited, wanting to use them. And then the technology not being what it really should be in a lot of cases. And so that's where I think you just it misses the mark and you end up with a mess like you just did. Yeah, you just end up wasting people's time. Yep. All right. Number three in the trenches. You said consistency is key. Is it possible to come back from a bad customer service experience? All right. And I'll take this one. So here's what I'll say. If you've consistently provided good customer service and this is truly an anomaly in the experience, then yes. It's an outlier to the experience and people that have come to know your customer service can view it as that, think on all the positive experiences that they have had and excuse it as a snafu. So generally speaking, right? But on top of that, I will say there are degrees of customer service and degrees of expectations. So if I'm a company's biggest client and someone leaves said company and I've worked with that person successfully for years, and I get bad service coming out of that, I may start to question whether it was the person that was mm -hmm. awesome to work with or if the company actually served me well and will continue to do so. And then finally, I will say it's all about what you do as the result of the bad experience. So let's go back to the hotel and my sister's wedding. That relationship, that situation actually started from kind of a bad place and was able to recover but they've made a pretty big oops in the beginning. So my parents and my sister and her fiance went down to the Renaissance at the planned time to do their meal tasting. And their coordinator at the time was there, but she had completely forgotten it. Mm. And they didn't have the food there. And they didn't have the chef preparing because there was another event that night, whatever, whatever the reasons were, right? And so as you can imagine... Nobody was happy about that situation. Weddings are horrible for mistakes like this because anxiety is already running high and you're stressed out and you're spending a whole lot of money. I always say that people hear the word wedding and tack on 20% right away if they're any sort of vendor. And so that was a lot, right? So fast forward a couple of weeks and that person was no longer with the hotel. So they bring the new person in and we requested a meeting with her. And, you know, of course, I'm in the little bit in the middle of things because that's just what I do as the oldest sister. So we went down to meet with Tracy, the new coordinator, and she was well aware of the situation that had happened. And there were some other like little things here and there that just weren't buttoned up the way we wanted. And it was immediately she came in. She said, look, I apologize for the situation. We take full responsibility, which for her, you know, she hadn't even been there at that point in time. But, you know, she comes right in full responsibility for the situation. She's clearly assessing our personalities right from the start. And she's like, you know, what you guys like she heard my sister say something about a cocktail she's like oh you want a cocktail we'll get you a cocktail of course and so she goes and finds the bartender who hasn't even fully opened the bar yet for the day you know whatever and sits down with us and all the way through the process that continued she you know told us to ping her anytime we needed to and 
you know, follow up and whatever. And she would proactively follow up. And the night of the wedding, we realized at the end of the reception that she was still there. And we were like, well, that seems a little bit crazy. You know, she's worked the full day and now it's 11 p.m. and she's still here. And whether that was part of the role or not, it just felt like she went above and beyond. She was in front of us when she needed to be. She was respectful when we were interacting with guests. She kept us up to date on anything that happened. And she even took notice. My sister doesn't eat red meat. And the combination dinner was chicken and steak and she saw her hand it to her new husband and she came rushing over and was like Mandy why didn't you tell me we could have gotten you a chicken option only let me send somebody back you know so Mm. anyway all of that to say it was a fairly big snafu for the event we were trying to have in the beginning and it just recovered beautifully and on the other side of everything right no one mentioned that at the wedding because mm. we had such a great weekend. The o- We've only had good things to say since then. They completely recovered and went above and beyond recovering with the subsequent experiences. Yeah, I and I have several examples. And, and I think the theme, and I'll share my examples as well, is that they fix it, right? Fix they it. take responsibility and fix it. They don't try to defend it. They yep. don't try to say why they were right or why they messed up or whatever. They're just like, you know what? You're right. We'll fix it. Yep. And I'll use patty enclosures, and I've talked about them before. Um, they're the ones who built our Four Seasons room, right? They made a gazillion mistakes. A gazillion mistakes. I mean, <laughs> silly mistakes that they shouldn't have made. And every time they made a mistake, i call them, and they'd be like, oh, yep, I guess we did that. What do you want in you know return? Do you want money? You know, do you want? And usually it was an upgrade. It wasn't money off, but it was like, do you want? It? What what upgrade can we give you? I got so many upgrades on that thing. <laughs> like at the end of the day, when somebody comes in, they see the room. Like this room is beautiful. I'm like, it is beautiful. It's actually well constructed. It is beautifully designed. And you know what? They were <laughs> made a lot of mistakes, but they fix every single one of them. And now because of that, we have this and this and this and this. So I will say, you know. They were able to redeem themselves, similar to how Renaissance was able to redeem themselves, because they took responsibility for the mistakes. They didn't kind of say, like, well, when we talked about it, you said this and I said this. And, you know, you, we, it is not in writing, like, explicitly said. They just said, yep, yeah, that was us. Um, so that was, like, I, I really appreciated it. And I, mm-hmm. and I didn't take advantage of it either, So because I know a lot of people tend to. And that's why a lot of companies are very resistant yep. to be overly indulging in customer service. But heck, I mean, we were spending tens of thousands of dollars on this thing. So you obviously there's like layers of, um, of, of that that you need to kind of consider with regards to what layer you're going to or what level you're going to um, indulge in yeah. being able to um, provide any kind of like compensation or whatnot um, because you have to have a financially viable business. But that all being said, too, did you want to also share what's going on with Papa John's since you shared that with everybody about how oh, they've come yeah. back around and they're trying to fix it? I, you're right. Yeah, I, I didn't even think about that, but absolutely. We're talking about customer service, right? So. Yeah. I put Papa John's a bit on blast in a recent episode, and um, for anybody that didn't listen, it was that the system spit out a two-hour wait time on the pizza store's four blocks from where we live, and it was a Wednesday night and nothing was going on downtown, so it seemed weird. So I laid out the whole story on that previous episode, and if you want to listen to that, you know, you, you can check that one out, but... Um, we posted also on our social and tagged them, and immediately we had customer service reach out and want to help fix the situation. And so um, Jess, who helps with our social, 
responded and sent them a previous email of mine. And they came back again and said, we don't have that email on file associated with an order, but please let us know the right one. We want to make sure we make it right. And so then she submitted the right one. So all of that to say... They are like extremely committed. I mean, like we're not mm-hmm. hounding me in a bad way, but like, you know, if they didn't get a response, they were coming back. And so I am pleasantly surprised. I mean, I've told that story now, which is, you know, Anne's point, right? Like mm-hmm. we were actually out to dinner with my sister and her still fiance last week. And he said, I saw that post. Good for you guys. Like, you know, good. You put it out there. And I think it was really smart. And that's the kind of feedback people should give. And it was professional. And I was like, yeah. And you know what? They've reached back out to me. And he's like, you've got to be kidding me. And I'm like, no, they want to make it right. They want to talk to me. They want to set up time. They want to figure out how they can fix it. And I'm sure when they go back through my order and realize I order every Wednesday night when Ainsley comes to babysit, they're going to want to make it right even more. So yeah. anyway. <laughs> well, no, I think I think that's good just to kind of close yeah. up because that's no. even a big, big company. A huge. So, yeah. you know, even if you're sitting there with a big company, you're like, how am I supposed to do this? People are figuring it out. Yep. Businesses are figuring it out. And again, it's differentiating between something that's a big commodity based mm-hmm. business is you know pizzas and stuff yep. and they're using customer service as a way to drive that affinity with their customers or loyal customers which if they lost April I mean they would lose a lot <laughs> <laughs> I mean seriously um you know speaking so that I just wanted you to yeah no, I think that's I that was a, a good one wonderful point yep All right. Fourth and final in the trenches. How do you identify the areas that you can have the most impact on in customer service, Anne? Yes. So this is where we say, and we've talked about a lot, you really need to take a look at your customer journey. All right. So you need to understand how first people are meeting your business. All right. So how are they becoming aware of your business? How are they coming into your business? What do they know about your industry? And really trying to figure out what you can do in order to delight them, in order to add value to them, especially so they're going to spread that word of mouth, all right? So that works on the front end. It also works on the back end, as as April just talked about with the Papa John's example. Yep. Or the Renaissance example. Then you need to figure out what do they do once they are actually there. So this is in actual reality. It's also figuratively like on your website. So this is basically kind of understanding how they're going to interact with you and what you want that experience to be from start to finish. All right. So it's not just in one aspect of it. And that's what April articulated. If it was just a person that she had checked in at at the Renaissance, but it wasn't anybody else, it would seem like an anomaly in the process. And it wouldn't consistently reinforce a brand experience that that she found enjoyable, right? So you need to really think about what kind of experience you want them to have along that journey. Then you have to think about how do you want to actually take them through that experience or how they can navigate it on their own, whether it's with a tech or whether it's actually with a human experience. It all needs to be cultivated in order to be able to deliver that feeling you want them to have. Because remember, the feelings are what creates the emotional engagement that keeps your customers coming back to you. And then how are you building a lasting, long, ongoing relationship with them? Repeat clients are very, very important. They're easier than getting new clients. So you want to make sure you're catering to them and you're thinking about, okay, once the experience is done, it's not actually done. It's like, okay, what's the next experience look like? How do I keep them in my my funnel here? And then what do they appreciate about you that they're not getting from others in, in, in your industry? So think about what your industry looks like in general and how you can specifically deliver that differentiated experience like we talked about. The next Think about what kind of feedback you're getting. This is going to be really important. And this is where I'm going to say, too, 
on the like actual customer side, it's really important to provide real feedback, yes. not just complaining about things, but providing very specific feedback. And my kids like get on me all the time and they're like, mom, you're so mean. I'm like, no, I'm providing very clear feedback about how their experience is not consistent with the brand that they're trying to build. They need to know that so that other people who are not as vocal don't just opt out and it ruins their business. Yep. You know, So provide clear feedback as a customer to your businesses in a very polite, respectful way. Don't make it a complaint as far as like railing somebody, but be very clear on what that feedback is. Then as the business, think about are there themes to the feedback? So is service slow? Does it take someone days to email me back? Think about how those things are cascading across a big bunch of your business and causing basically an anchor on your business. Then also, are you hearing the same thing at certain points in the journey? So every time I walk into the salon, it smells bad. That doesn't enhance an experience of being in the salon. The front desk person is always rude. I don't know how to find the office. So these are things that are wayfinding things and also experiential things that help to build that brand experience. Then are there certain people resources that are not working? Again, this is really hard because this goes down to sometimes the people and making sure you're hiring the right people for the job, which we talked about is a little bit difficult right now. But you've got to have some criteria associated with that because some people will drag your business down very, very quickly. And you just can't afford to, to do that in the short term because it compromises your long term. And then finally, which issues can you address most quickly and ha to have a significant impact? So take those themes you're hearing and really prioritize them and then tackle the easy ones first, as we've talked about. That will help you create that immediate change that then creates that momentum that then leads to long change. Yeah, and, and that was obviously a whole lot. But what we're trying to do again today is simplify things for you or break them down in a way that makes it easier for you to leave this episode literally and go to start improving your customer service. So I think the customer journey piece is something that gets missed a lot. And what I mean by that is that people don't take the right step back to look at things at the higher level, but then across all the touch points. Yep. And so they're like, for example, okay, so there's an instance, let's say, like Ann said, the nail salon smells every time you enter, right? That's a problem. And you might get that feedback a lot, but that might not be the entire reason people don't come back, right? And so if you mm -hmm. look at the whole customer journey, you can assess like, okay, so we've gotten this feedback a lot and we definitely need to fix that. But is that tied to the whole experience that's happening or is there something else more broken than that that's causing a breakdown in the experience people are having? So, and it, it really, it sounds like a lot to do it, but it really isn't if you look at the feedback you're getting and then think about it in terms of the way that you serve people, you can get to those bigger insights more quickly than you think you can. Yeah, and the theme ones too. So yes. if, you, if you're trying to adjust every single person's feedback as it comes in, this is why we're <laughs> yeah. a little hesitant when we say, you know, put out these surveys because I think the surveys came back in a very generic format. Yep. Um, you, you can't chase feedback. Look for the themes, look for the biggest opportunities that are going to help you increase the uh the, the, the popularity of your business and help you get more clients more quickly. Yep, exactly. All right. And our third and final segment is what we're calling now marketing smarts 
moments. And like I said, I already spoiled what mine is. Um, But we did have a great experience at the Renaissance Hotel in downtown Cincinnati. So this will be a positive experience I've had lately. And I just want to top line because we talked about consistency and all the different touch points. So I just want to kind of list for you the things that happened, right? Front desk, manager welcomes us, super engaging front desk clerk. Lost the room key, super responsive to help us get that taken care of immediately. Proactive phone call from the manager on our second morning because we had requested an adjoining room for our kids. And when they upgraded the suite, you can't actually have an adjoining room to a suite. So he called me first thing in the morning to let me know and ask me what I wanted to do. And quick solution, he gave us the... the, Sweet right next door, right? Mm-hmm. One door out, one door in. So no big deal then. But the thing I appreciated was that he called me about it. It wasn't that at 11 o'clock that night when I'm trying to send the kids up, we're like, oh, shoot, the room doesn't connect, right? Right. Staff involved at every step to the appropriate level. So I mentioned that, you know, they were there for us, whatever we needed. And Tracy was great as a coordinator and noticed things and took action right away. But if I was in the middle of a conversation with someone and she wanted me to help wrangle the troops to get everyone into dinner, she politely waited until I was finished with my conversation to then say, sorry to ask you to do this, but they're not moving. Could you help me with the situation? <laughs> All very appropriate. And the one thing that I just got a total chuckle out of at the end of the night um, on the night of the wedding was that we had a whole cupcake tower. And because it was tucked in the corner and as Anne's husband told me a million times, we didn't tell people they could eat them, which I still disagree, Tony. Um, (laughs) A lot of them got left over. Right. So I stopped one of the cleaning folks and I said, hey, is there any way we can get to go containers because we have a whole bunch of people and a whole bunch of cupcakes and I'd rather them take them. So he was like, stopped what he was doing again, took me back into the kitchen with him. I'm like, are you sure I'm allowed back here? He's like, oh, yeah, it's totally fine. We're just cleaning up, you know. So I go back there with him and they come back and they hand me like, I don't know, 10 different containers to try for the cupcakes. So you could take one or you could take six or you could do it however you wanted. Right. And then, I mean, they they consistently checked up on us. So even after we had checked out, we went to breakfast and came back and had a drink with a friend. And they're still coming in, like, you know, to make sure things are good. Do we need anything? They It took a minute to get a bartender back there. We got an apology right away. So, I mean, I'm just like... From beginning to the minute we walked out that door, even the cute little valet guy at the end was like, hope you enjoyed your stay. I love those kids. Good, cool glasses, man. I saw the front desk guy talking to you about them, you know, so it was like second we walked in to second we left and everything in between. And there I literally have no complaints, which for anyone that knows me knows that that it does not happen very often. Yeah, that's for sure. But Tony did get I think he took 10 cupcakes. so I think we were good. He literally did. And he I think did. ate three of them right there. Anyway, yeah. sorry, Tony, calling you out. So just to recap, simple tips for upping your customer service. Number one, identify two to three principles that will differentiate you from your competition. Sadly, many businesses have not been doing this well, and especially lately, which means it's a great way for you to shine. Number two, a little bit can go a long way. We're not saying you have to burn everything down and start over. Small moments of delight make a huge difference with people. Number three, make it a consistent practice across every employee. Good customer service means everyone and everything sings from the same songbook. And fourth and final, strive for greatness and know what success looks like. Stay on top of it and always be looking for new ways to be better. And with that, we will say, go and exercise your marketing smarts. Still need help in growing your marketing smarts? Contact us through our website, forthright-people.com. 
We can help you become a savvier marketer through coaching or training you and your team or doing the work on your behalf. Please also help us grow the podcast by rating and reviewing on your player of choice and sharing with at least one person. Now, go show off your marketing smarts.